Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My name's Chris Lambert. And my name's Travis Bean. Welcome to Film Colossus. Your guide to movies. Put a little pizzazz on that. Yeah, I did a little finger guns. I guess you can't see it, but I did do finger guns. Razzle dazzle them. <laughs> Today on this episode, we're doing a deep dive into everything, everywhere, all at once. Now, the burning question is can we talk about everything, everywhere, all at once? There's only one way I could imagine if we had like supreme editing skills. This is where we'd layer in like I start on one sentence, you start on another sentence, I start on a third sentence, you start on a fifth sentence, and yeah. it just all collides into one vocal cacophony. Here's here's my pitch that every single year on February twenty second, or I guess February twenty third, that's just when the episode will release, we talk about this movie. And then each year we release the episode, but the episodes are just piled on top of each other. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, it would be unlistenable, but like courageous. <laughs> <laughs> we are breaking new ground in the podcasting world. Are we trailblazers? All right. We'll release the episode with just like the lone audio too, but like we're also going to release the layered audio. That's I would love that. So you can listen to whatever one you want. <laughs> there's just could you imagine somebody listening to like an hour-long episode that's just complete garble i mean i think we're that likable and and cool so i mean yeah i could picture a lot of people doing it <laughs> i Maybe love not your most. confidence i love your confidence <laughs> so for everything everywhere this is one a lot you know sometimes when we're doing deep dives it's a movie that we both are seeing for the first time. Uh, other times we're returning to films and mm -hmm. uh, this is one that we're returning to and it's going to be a little controversial, I imagine, unless there's been like a huge shift because we got some flack in 2022 because each of us saw this movie and weren't thrilled with it. I mean... To say like we weren't thrilled with it is this movie's so popular and so beloved, like it's the most popular movie ever on Letterboxd. <laughs> like people just absolutely adore this movie. So to be anywhere below that is controversial in and of itself. Yeah. We're like the people what was it? It was who's it? Armin White was the first one to give the Dark Knight a negative oh, yeah. review. Always, yeah. And it's like we're kind of in that territory with this movie to where I, I feel like when I first saw it, too, because I saw it in theaters. You saw it when it hit uh, video release, right? Yeah. As soon as it was available, I was like, well, I got to see this movie everybody loves. I think I was in the point where I didn't know everybody loved it mm -hmm. when I watched it. And I was kind of taken aback in the aftermath of being like, oh, everybody loves this. Yeah, right. I remember coming to Twitter and making like a bold like, ugh, and all these people were very, very upset with me. Yeah. Um, I guess, like you said, like I watched it once it came out on streaming. So like it had already had the hype and everything. I don't even know if I watched it right away. It might have been like a few weeks. But by the time I watched it, it was the most popular movie ever on Letterboxd. So like 
I went into it with that energy and like even friends I knew who aren't even into that movies were recommending this movie to me. It's like one of those movies. So I, it's an interesting, it's going to be interesting to talk about my history of this because Chris, I, I do have something to reveal to you. What? No, I, I, I enjoyed it this time. <laughs> no. <laughs> so now you're alone. <laughs> God. I thought this might happen. I, I, I got to tell you, I absolutely positively did not think anything like this would happen. <clears throat> like, I think just my reputation, my reputation. I don't have a reputation. <laughs> reputation to like the three people who know how I am about movies. Like, uh, I'm just somebody who always seems to go against the popular opinion like i don't plan that and trust me i don't like it <laughs> i definitely don't like being on the outside of like what everyone likes and hates um but this time around uh and, and I, you know what i even it's tough i feel like me talking about my relationship with this movie is going to just end up, end up being like a therapy session or something because like I do have a lot of the same problems with this movie that I had the first time, but this time around, I, I don't know what it was that I I just kind of, God, I I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not usually this way with with movies, but I think everyone's love for it, like kind of infused me a little bit. Like I saw the movie a little bit differently than I did the first time. Like I think the first time I saw it, I don't want to go as far to say like I was a different person because like it wasn't even that long ago, but I kind of was a different person. Like I have changed a lot in the past year and I, I might've gone into the movie with a little bit of a grudge, like not wanting to like it's quirky humor, like wanting to think it's message isn't that deep and is actually kind of empty. Like just annoyed that everyone loves this, but hates something dumb and fun, like Morbius. Like it, it was all that kind of stuff was happening. And I think I just kind of carried that energy into it um, and maybe didn't give it a fair shake. But this time around, like I said, like I still had problems with it that like I recognized from before, but the energy of it, like the optimism of it, just the general good message, it, I don't know, it kind of overwhelmed me. And even the moments where it wasn't as good and like wasn't hitting the points I wanted to, it was kind of winning me over the whole time. You sap. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Ever since I had a kid, I've just become a sap. You had a kid when you saw this the first time. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, but <laughs> but it, she was fresh. Uh, yeah, right. You, you still were getting into dad mode. Oh uh, I you know when I was watching it the second time, I I knew this was gonna happen. Wow. I it was just that thing of like looking at the movie and being like, there's a there's a positivity <laughs> to the movie and like a, a kindness to the movie that Travis is going to like kind of love this time yeah because usually my problem like anytime i don't like a movie these days even if like i just flat out think it's kind of empty or it doesn't work or it's just like very mediocrely done like if it doesn't have an ugly message then i'm usually okay with it which is why i really hated movies like tar and the menu and the gray man like i just couldn't really ever get past like inherently what they were and what they represented everything everywhere all at once like it's so good <laughs> like even the moments where like i think its message is just like uh like that's a bit of a misfire like oh you're trying to do too much like it's trying to do too much of a good thing and i can forgive that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah it's uh it's the positive charm that this movie has yeah so we can get into all the different things because i i do think there are some things in the movie that could have been improved or didn't have quite the impact it purported to have well so we talked a bit about like expectations going into it had you watched uh so it's a movie by the daniels daniel kwan and daniel shiner mm-hmm. had you watched uh their other movies <laughs> i thought you were gonna ask if i've watched their music video oh well yeah music video and like i guess it's one other movie this is their second movie i have not seen swiss army man no we were at sundance i believe though when it came out was it at sundance that it premiered Uh, oh yeah yeah, it didn't premiere there no no yeah you're right it was 2016 we were there yeah 
Um, no, I have not seen Swiss Army Man, but I had seen the Turn Down for What video only because you made me watch it. Yeah. Did I make you watch it earlier? Like, I think it was in, it might have been in Iowa when you made me watch it. Okay. It could have I... been after that, though. I, I remember we were together, so maybe we were at a film festival or something. It makes sense. Okay, so I got to interview uh, the Daniels in 2016 ahead of Swiss Army Man coming out. Mm -hmm. And I think I watched it, maybe I watched it before that, just like randomly, but I definitely would have watched it in preparation for that interview. And I just remember thinking that music video is one of the most inventive and bizarre things I've ever seen. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, and I really appreciated you showing it to me because I'm a big fan of music videos. My wife and I, we watch a lot of them, um, and that one just kind of catapulted to like, okay, this is like one of those surreal, strange experiences <laughs> you'd never get to see in music videos. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's a lot like everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, you can see the nugget of like the core concept or the core like stylistic premise of everything everywhere in the turndown for what music video yeah right um and it is like right like multi-level like each apartment's like a different multiverse multi multiverse yeah <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah um, and it has like it's really goofy and ridiculous and like sometimes um merges into the side of like crude you know but like mm -hmm. it never loses its charm like i feel like that's what these guys have going that is really unique is like it can sometimes be vulgar and like something your mom would be like oh turn that off but at the same time you're kind of like five seconds later like all right it's funny like we like it <laughs> well when i interviewed them they were so nice like so intelligent interesting kind i mean most of the filmmakers i've had the <laughs> opportunity to interview were like cool like yeah, i think right which is nice like you I mean, talked to nicholas winding reffin like that dude's just like cool <laughs> yeah yeah and <laughs> he was cool yeah i mean his glasses were cooler than anything that's that what i'm I saying owned. he's just like a cool guy yeah um i'm just laughing because that interview i thought i was getting like a one-on-one -on -one interview and it ended up being like a round table interview mm -hmm. so yeah. it was like nicholas winding reffin sitting in like a weird like chic Austin hotel room, uh, but it's a little too chic, and to the point where like it feels almost like the designer sneezed out whatever was in the room, rather than mm -hmm. it being like I don't know. It was just a little strange. And then it's like six of us asking him questions, and one person I think asked a question that lasted like five minutes. <laughs> And it's just, we had 20 minutes total, and this one person just asked a question that was a fourth of the time that we had. I feel like Nicholas Winding Refn would appreciate a five-minute question. I can't remember if he did or didn't. The one question I got to ask him was about... This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. The use of red and blue in both Only God Forgives and uh -huh. Neon Demon. 
and me being like, oh, was this a way of like visually connecting the two movies? Like something like out there. And he's like, I am colorblind and those are the colors that I can like appreciate on screen. So that's it. I was like, that's a dope oh. answer. And it was a good answer, but it's one of those things where I was just like, I <laughs> wish I would have known that. It's like now I just feel stupid. Yeah. Um, but when I got to interview uh, Daniels, it was, I, they'll probably never listen to this episode, right? Probably not. I hadn't watched Swiss Army Man when I interviewed them. I was asked by somebody that was working at like the PR company to just come in and do the interview because like somebody else had canceled last yeah. minute. So they're like, please, like, you know, I don't want to leave them hanging. Can you come do the interview? So I just had to pretend that I watched this movie for the whole interview. Oh, wow. <laughs> and ask questions about a movie that I hadn't watched wow. and answer, like respond in a way that made them feel like I had watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it went well, like they seemed really happy with the interview. Like we got into a bunch of other concepts and ideas. We were even talking a little bit afterwards. Like they were just very, like they were guys that I was immediately rooting for yeah, uh, right. in the aftermath of that interview. Well, they might have an Oscar soon. I know, which is why I felt bad when I watched this and was like, oh, I don't like it. Because <laughs> I really like them. And I do think that their style is very unique and like, awesome but i was uh I mean, it, it, the oscars it, it's all it's all bullshit right like it's the the whole idea of awarding like the best in quotes is like so silly that you just want whoever wins to be a good person so like fuck yeah they should win yeah i mean i'd be happy for them i it'd still be another thing where i'm like i don't think the best picture won but i'd be happy for them <laughs> daniel kwan and i even have the same birthday oh wow you you should have brought that up I wish I had known. I definitely would be like, hey, we're birthday. <laughs> like, we're birthday bros. Okay. So what do we want to talk about for this movie? Yeah. So uh, we kind of went in a little fresh. Like we were familiar with their concepts. Go into the movie. I, okay. <laughs> Are you talking about this watch or the first watch? <sighs> I guess first watch, second watch. The... The thing for me on the first watch was just I was very emotional mm -hmm. when it finally got to like the cathartic climactic yeah when Evelyn has her like breakthrough of awareness of how she's been treating Wayman and Joy and what kind of generational trauma she's experienced and has it processed I cried so much, but leading up to the point of me crying, I was slumped in my seats from just being so kind of bored by everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. And I thought with the second viewing that maybe that wouldn't happen again, but I found myself just like even more bored by the stuff I already found boring the first time. And yeah. then still crying a lot at the emotional stuff. <laughs> I'm getting a strange picture of you as somebody who's bored by something yet very, very emotionally moved by it. I am so easily, it's so easy for me to like feel the vicarious emotions that people feel to where it's like we were watching a South Park episode the other night and I started crying because like Kyle was really sad about something or no. Kyle's friend, he was sad throughout the episode and all of his friends show up at the end and were like, hey, are you okay? Like, let's go play outside. And I was like, that's really nice. That's all that he wanted. So I, I cry at everything. I, I, I cry all the time too. Like I was looking at my letterbox account and like looking through the movies. I was like, Lord, I've cried at the last like seven movies we've watched. And I think it would be a fun thing to do in this show. We keep track of how many times we cry at a movie. So... You want to go back through these movies really quick and see if we cried at them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Megan, did you cry? I did not. Oh, mm. I don't think I did, but there were moments that were really good, you know? Yeah, I may have teared up 
but I don't think like a tear fell from my eye. Okay. The Batman. No. No, not me either. Knock at the cabin. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, everything everywhere at all at once. I think I might have cried the first time, but again, Cynical Travis won over, wasn't really prepared to like the movie. This time, I cried quite a bit. (laughs) Did you fight it, or were you like... No, pretty much... um, Like, I'm with you. Like, whenever somebody's feeling something heavily, like, maybe it's just because I'm a little more in tune with my emotions, like, in the past few years, like, taking therapy and just kind of, like, confronting myself a lot more. And then, like, having a kid makes you think about all that stuff. Like, I just think anytime now, like, I see somebody going through something that represents even a, a little bit of a hint of something I've gone through. I'm like, that's me. Like, I get it. I'm crying, too. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I feel exactly what you're feeling. And I, I like it. Like, I think it's cathartic. I like that I can connect to stories like both good and bad. My wife sometimes worries. She's like, are you sad? Like, did that make you sad? Are you okay? And I'm like, no, it's just like, I'm happy for them and I'm crying because I'm happy for them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, definitely the character thing, like, obviously, like if you're connected to a character that makes you cry, but. I mean, I told you about Magic Mike's Last Dance. Like, I was crying <laughs> at these strippers dancing on elderly women. Like, there's just <laughs> something about that image. Like, the fact that you'd never see, like, an elderly woman in this kind of position in a movie. Like, combined with, like, Mike taught them how to do this dance. Like, there's just something to the art of that scene. Like, the aesthetic of it. Like, the energy of it. Like, at this point when movies do that kind of just basically anytime a movie does something really 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 well and like it's the message is coming at me full force like even that'll make me cry yeah you feel like kind of the the build up and the the catharsis of everything yeah and i i think that was kind of a big part of it for everything everywhere all at once like obviously there's a lot of character stuff going on um but i i just like the general fervor of the movie like the confidence it had in all of its dumb humor like i don't know i just found it kind of moving and i think that kind of contributed to any moment where like i would start crying like the tears like just came flowing out because of all of it this county is an amazing place full of promise for so many people that's why we need a healthcare system that stretches valley wide so santa clara valley medical center o'connor hospital saint louise regional hospital and clinics across the valley have come together united for the public good creating more access to the kind of forward-thinking health care everyone in our community deserves that's, that's the, the power, power of we santa clara valley Healthcare. learn more at scvh.org <laughs> well there's something very powerful whenever you have a story that waits to flip a switch. So in everything everywhere, it's we know Wayman really wants like love and affection from his wife. He wants her to like be open with him, connect with him. He's not trying to divorce her because he really wants to divorce her. He's trying to wake her up. And with Joy, she just wants a mother who's like caring and processing and makes her feel loved and wanted and you the characters are so kind of one-dimensional in their needs Mm -hmm. and evelyn is so pure in her (laughs) inability to give that that when it finally happens when she finally like is kind to her husband when she's finally kind to her daughter there's so much power there because I think that gets at everything that we all want. We all crave some kind of thing that we're not getting, uh, whether it's just in life in general or from people that we care about or something. We all have that kind of, we can commiserate. And there's something really powerful about that sense of seeing these other people get this thing that they want and having it be so open and obvious and, powerful in that way that I think is one of the reasons why this movie resonates with so many people and I mean whether it's the parent-child thing which Mm. a lot of people have strained relationships with parents and I think kind of 
can extrapolate what's going on with Joy and Evelyn uh, to their own life. And there's either something cathartic and they wish that they could get this or something cathartic in that it's, it just reminds them of like the positive times that they have had or breakthroughs that they've had, um, which is really like nice. So I get why the movie's like so resonant with so many people. Yeah. I, I think that simplicity is really key. Like I, I was thinking about how like there's a bunch of therapy shit going on right now in like movies, you know, like Jonah Hill had his movie on Netflix. Uh, Jason Siegel's in that series with, Harrison Ford, I still don't even know what that is. But, like, they're just leaning into, like, people are into therapy now. <laughs> and the whole movie kind of is a therapy session. Like, somebody having a breakthrough, like, realizing something about themselves. Um, but when if you kind of look past, like, all of the chaos going on in the movie and kind of just break it down to what the movie's about, like, you just described it. Somebody learning to be nice to their family. <laughs> like, something as simple as that that you don't realize, like, you don't do that well like that can be monumental for you to realize that like a simple shift and pivot in your life can lead down all these new avenues and fix all of these relationships. It's a, uh, that's what really struck me about the movie this time is just the simplicity of it. And some of the simple statements it makes that really have resonated with me lately. Like when uh Wayman or the guy from the alpha verse says like, you're not good at anything. Like, that's why you're perfect. Like, I think that's lovely because like, to me, that's something I had to, I mean, that might sound a little bit pessimistic, but like in my mind, realizing I wasn't like uh, this pressure to be extraordinary, I think really puts people in a corner sometimes and makes them feel small that they didn't achieve something great would really like, you just just being a good person, like being good at the things you're good at and never being extraordinary or anything, like that's not so bad. Like that you can live a great life doing that. If anything, you could probably maybe live a better life without all this extra pressure on yourself. Um, the idea that life is meaningless, that like things don't mean anything and, and ha accepting something like that allows you to just like embrace what's around you and find the beauty in what's around you. Like I feel like there's so many little statements like that mixed throughout that I just kept connecting to and were hitting me. Uh, maybe my big problem with the movie, though, is that like it's so chaotic and so over the place and sometimes hits the nail on the head a little bit too hard that it sort of uh, saturates the message a little bit. Yeah, I, I did really. I think on the second watch, that was kind of the thing that jumped out to me, what you're saying about Evelyn being told that because she wasn't, good at any of those things but tried all of them mm -hmm. that's why she's kind of uh alpha wayman's like chosen one like i think you're the one because he says she created all of the other evelyn's right. who are good at these things and that it's kind of sh the butterfly effect of her not being great at any of them and the way that you see her call on each of these little skills in away and incorporating them into these moments that help her work through this it's like yeah they may not be the thing that makes you into a movie star or that makes you this like wealthy popular mastery person mm -hmm. but each of these little experiences that you've had you find ways to incorporate them into your life that help you problem solve, that help you make it through to something else. And they end up being important pieces and parts to you living like the best version of the life that you can live. And there's something like, it's not a waste. It was actually like time well spent is a very nice message. Yeah. I mean, the movie's all about mindfulness. Like mindfulness is the ability the like the ability to just block out all the bullshit really and like be in the moment and actually think about what you're thinking about like it's this really complex way of it's not complex actually it's very simple but it, it's so complex given like the culture we live in and it's just like the chaos constantly going around us and everything we're told that we have to like and do and get good at the ability to like be mindful and be in the moment is it's it feels fucking impossible and this movie does a great job of 
visualizing that struggle? I, uh, I think my favorite aspect of the movie is the dynamic between the bagel and the googly eye. <laughs> I, I, okay, I want to hear you talk about this because like as much as I, I like that as like a quirk of the movie, I haven't, I can't say I've thought too deeply about like what it means, you know? Okay, so I feel like I haven't seen them talk specifically about this phrase, but there's an idiom that talks about like, if you have everything, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's just the idea that the more that you start to have, sometimes the less that it feels that you have. Sure. So, uh, you know, if you have 10 really good friends and you're able to, like, spend time with them or keep up with them versus 100 friends that Mm -hmm. you're trying to, like, keep up with, how much time can you really start to spend with each one of them? Uh, and really like maintain the relationships or you know if you have a house that's like a 30 room mansion how much of the house are you really using or do you feel like is actually like part of the place that you're living it's the same thing with hobbies right if you're trying to spend two hours of free time practicing 10 different hobbies can you really are you really developing any kind of relationship with that hobby Mm -hmm. versus only having one or two so the idea of like having everything or access to everything and that leading you to a point of nothingness uh and how that relates to joy or jobu tapaki is i think a really fascinating concept that then leads to how do you visualize this it's a film yeah you have to make this thing external. You have to give it like a form. And I like the idea that because they already had the concept of everything, they suddenly joke about an everything bagel. Sure. And the fact that, you know, the everything bagel has everything on it. And, you know, that relates to the idea of like everything being overwhelming. They did talk about that in an interview, like the idea of, mm like the everything bagel was tied to the concept of like everything and nothingness and nihilism. So it was a joke that they then decided like, no, actually this is a good like representation. It fits the tone. It's funny, but it's serious. And they talked about like black holes and that everything has a point of becoming a black hole. If you like give it enough compression Mm -hmm. and they thought it was funny if like it was an everything bagel. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I really like just the concept of the everything bagel and how that ties into the idea of like everything, like having nothing, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. I think that's a smart call in general. Yeah. But Here's, the fact I got to say, though, my problem with it before you move on yeah. is that everything bagels are delicious and they are more delicious <laughs> because they have everything on them. Right. But what if they had more? You know? That's true. If you started throwing like turnips on there, like, yeah, eventually you're going to get out of control. Yeah, it's going to reach a point of just... Nope, shaved should have done that. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> a nice shaved turnip base that sticks to the bagel by way of mm. maple syrup. And it's delicious. Uh, my Jewish heart is starting to hurt just at the idea of a turnip bagel. It's just... doesn't feel right. Because the turnips um, are the bagels. Th- like... Turnips on the bagels. Okay. I didn't know if turnips were a Jewish thing. I mean, I know about bagels. I don't know if they are <laughs> either. <laughs> but a turnip bagel, I can confidently say, is not. Okay, good. They should not be. Based. I'll be the first one to make it then. Now, a gefilte fish bagel. No. Ugh. Oh, boy. Um. So you have this, like, bagel that, you know, it's a, a dark bagel with a, a light in the center. Mm-hmm. And it's representing this nothingness. And then you have the googly eye, which is the whites with a dark pupil in the center. Mm. They're actually inverse images. Yeah. And I love that the fact that they're mirrored and have the opposite, like the everything bagels, negative, nothingness, the googly eyes, like positivity, joy, kindness. So you get the opposite energies when these things have the similar composition of like a larger circle and a smaller circle, but the opposite color schemes and the way that even ties into the yin and yang symbol. Uh, 
the classic like Chinese philosophy of the yin and yang and the idea of the opposites being part of a whole. Right. So the black and white aspects of the yin and yang actually, even though they're antithetical or opposite to each other, actually create like a whole circle and how that relates to like hot and cold, like positivity and negativity, light and dark. We really do see in nature and in life the way that these things that usually are opposite to one another, like share a relationship and share a dynamic. And I think that there was something kind of beautiful about, and this was something I picked up on the second watch as well, that Wayman's positivity in and of itself wasn't the answer. Like he had been positive for years and it hadn't right. healed Evelyn. It hadn't like saved joy. It was only when he gave in to his negativity in a way and reached for the divorce that it kickstarted Evelyn to go somewhere. And it's the same thing with Joy that she's been in this negative place for so long and is ready to end things where like a positivity that she can bring or like the flair that she brings to things also like helps or like that negativity isn't the end all be all. Mm -hmm. And then Evelyn's kind of in the middle of being very defensive and rejecting both like the positivity and the fear and just being like completely shielded right from her emotions so i really love that the movie kind of took that yin and yang perspective rather than saying like negativity is bad and there's no place for it and positivity is the only way and saying that no we're people that contain both the positive and the negative and when we're all negative that's not good and when we're all positive that's also not realistic and when we refuse to be either that also is a problem you need to be this person that embraces both like the yin and the yang the positive and the negative and work through that stuff yeah so I really liked that concept and how it was visualized through the bagel and the googly eye and the inverse like, visuals that they present with both of those. See, this is the kind of analysis you get on Film Colossus, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Like, So the alpha verse Waymond is an exaggerated version of the positive Waymond because like Waymond's always tried to be positive and this alpha version of him is like he thinks... Evelyn is Neo from the Matrix, you know, like you're the one like you, you can achieve something like so fantastic. And then on the other side, like all the way over, like Agent Smith is uh, Jobu Tupaki, who is just this like really intense negative figure, like seeing all of the dismay in the universe and, and th that presence that, you know, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling depressed, when you're having any sort of existential crisis that whatever force is pulling you further in that direction and making you feel lower and lower and kind of steep in it like she represents that i like that yeah yeah two ends of the spectrum but then also like they both need to like have some growth on their own yeah which for sure nice so like i think that's my favorite part of what the movie was doing on like the thematic level yeah i mean i definitely like all that stuff i i will say i mean this was the thing that I really latched onto the first time I watched it where I was like, this movie is like not as good as people think it is. And I still kind of feel this way. Um, I think it's the only thing holding the movie back from becoming like great is that all the stuff we're talking about and all the things it's doing, like obviously you want movies to show, not tell. And this movie does a lot of showing for sure. Like all the crazy shit the bagel the evelyn like fixing all these people and their their mental struggles or whatever they're dealing with like it's cool and it's like it's literally showing people like make changes in their life um but one thing this movie does that i'm just like always kind of frustrates me when movies do it is like it leans on the telling a little bit too much in a way that the it, it ruins the aesthetic a little bit for me like if you think about a movie like spirited away like the whole movie's aesthetic is this girl who gets separated from her parents and has to grow up. Like she has to learn what it's like to be on her own. Like she, everything she goes through on that journey is 
the aesthetic. Like it represents something. It doesn't need to be like laid out thin for us every time. Like she has like a change or um, some mental revelation. Like everything you see her go through is just part of a journey. It's a visualization of a internal journey we go through. Like movies that are really good at doing that, like I tend to latch on to a little bit more and movies that are just so committed to their aesthetic that it becomes just like this vibrating force that like represents the, the core, like what the human struggle is. This movie, like every time like Evelyn makes a change, every time someone gives a speech that is supposed to turn her another way, like it just starts to feel a little stale to me. Like, like Joy gives a big long speech or Jobu Tubaki and then like Alpha versus Wayman gives a speech and then Michelle gives a speech and like her dad even gives a speech at some point. Like, and they're all supposed to represent like these turns in her character. Like I just like, I'm so sick of movies doing it. Like to me, this movie could have done all of that, like had all of that commentary without needing to say it and just going through the motions it actually went through. Um, like obviously that's harder to do and a little tougher to like, actualize and like make people realize what your commentary is but the way they chose to do it to me is just like i kind of start rolling my eyes whenever that stuff happens so like as much as the movie was connecting it was more like the first two-thirds of the movie connect and then the last third i'm just kind of like ugh, like man this this is kind of a bummer <laughs> i'm on the opposite side the first okay. two-thirds are where i'm just like ugh and then it's the last third where I'm like, all right, like this is the catharsis I was like, I'm enjoying. So you don't think it was heading towards that catharsis already? I do. I just think it's a slog to get there. Okay. So um, when, when you say you're bored by it, do you just mean like visually like the, the energy of the movie and everything? Like you're not into like the humor, you know? A little bit. It's, it's more the... I find it a touch, how do I want to say it? I was into the, I think when it starts to lose me is when it starts, which is weird, like getting into a lot of the action elements because they start to feel kind of like hollow to me like they're just things that are kind of like thrown in sure. for the style yeah. of it more so than being completely necessary. And I'm saying that with a bit of hesitation because they do show the fact that like Evelyn's fighting for something like struggling for change and like watching Wayman fight is something that like makes her feel good. Like you can definitely make arguments for like what that, means and represents it's just after a while there were so many sequences that kind of just left me going like we're really dragging this out yeah. uh, where okay you know what the real issue is the fact that i felt like from the very beginning of the movie i knew what the arc would be <laughs> In fact that like, okay, Evelyn is very like, bitter and her husband's trying, her daughter's trying. So this is essentially just a long story to get her to change mm -hmm. and then things will be good. And so everything that was happening that was continuing to set up the character dynamics and the relationship dynamics, I was sitting there going, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, which makes that first two thirds just feel very elongated to me um mm -hmm. that's, and just kind of leaves me eh, yeah that's that's an interesting insight i've gotten from you from this show so far like like uh and our knock at the cabin episode you were dismayed like you were let down a little bit because immediately you understood that the four guys represented the four horsemen and to you that takes away some of like the suspense the energy of the movie um Whereas, like, I just don't think I'm that way at all. Like, I kind of like when a movie lets me know what it is and then, like, goes down all the paths that explore that. Now, I uh, on that end, I could see the argument of, like, well, all the paths weren't that interesting to me. Like, sure, that's one thing. 
Um, but it sounds like to me that anytime you know what a movie's doing, you're kind of let down. <laughs> a little bit. It's more so that I just want to be taken. I want it to go in directions that I didn't see coming. And that doesn't right. mean that a movie where I see what's going to happen can't be exciting still. Like you talked about Spirited Away earlier. When she gets separated from her parents, you kind of expect like, okay, she's going to go on a journey and find her parents. Yeah. So it's not like there's a big surprise in terms of like where the story goes, but how we get there yeah. is so dynamic and interesting that I'm kind of like swept up and swept along where with this, it felt like everything felt a little superficial to me in terms of the, the premises, yeah. like not the emotional stuff. Like, of course there's a lot of depth between like Evelyn, Wayman, Joy, even uh, Gong Gong, but it's all the stuff with like the multiverse and mm -hmm. with the combat and, I keep comparing the fact that it's like the matrix mixed with cloud Atlas, but not doing the matrix, which is with as much like world building and not doing cloud Atlas with as much world building. Like I feel like it's the cliff notes of those two movies and I'm not really getting like enough of any of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I so, can, I totally see yeah. that with you because I, I definitely think that's a huge difference between you and I. Like you love like big worlds, like full of these twists and turns and like presenting all these new angles and new kinds of characters and new, like, not that I don't like that, but I don't think I have the same, uh, like guidelines that you seem to have. <laughs> like you really want a movie to like take you down like crazy paths and like completely surprise you and like. I feel like as I get older, like I kind of just become the opposite of that. Like I like when movies are simple. I like when, and not simple in the sense of like, just be about one thing to be done. Gosh, you know, but like, <laughs> just like they have what they're about. Like they have like an aesthetic they're going for. They have an idea and like they're kind of just fully committed to that. And the narrative itself, like the plot, the places it goes, like, that stuff kind of doesn't matter to me. Like, I just need any path they go down to hit. I need it to be fully part of the aesthetic and not ruin the aesthetic at all. Like, I just, I need it all working together. Um, whereas, like, I think you, I mean, you're you're a novelist. Like, you, you write stories. Like, you're into that a little bit more. Whereas, like, I kind of just... I just love the beauty of like the art. <laughs> like I just like pretty things. Like I want to see it like work well. And if it's working well enough, like, and it's making me feel emotional, like that's kind of all I need. Which can be nice. I, I There's definitely moments where I can feel some of my, like a movie charms me to the point of just right. being like, yeah, I, like the characters are working, like the story's simple, but you know, this is nice. Like, I'm enjoying the charisma that the movie has. Yeah. Um, but a movie like this, as much charisma as it had, just kind of left me, like, it felt like highlights rather than, like, really digging into a concept. Like, I, I just, I'm I know so... Have you seen Cloud Atlas? I have, but I can't say I remember it that well. I feel like it wasn't something that you loved... Uh, I remember. Liked. I don't remember hating it like everyone else, but I didn't. I wouldn't say I loved it. I. It's a movie that like has lingered with me. Uh, I feel like it wasn't one that I was a hundred percent all in, but that over the years, in terms of like how much world building it did, how much kind of care it took to tell its story, and the scope and scale of the story it told is still like very impressive to me mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the issues and maybe somebody would say that's unfair but when i look at everything everywhere all at once it just feels so much smaller than cloud atlas <laughs> and like i'm right. getting a lot less but i think it it moves at a pace that has more appeal to people and 
I get why it's the more popular of the two and the more recognized of the two. I mean, yeah, I, I could totally see that. As much as like, I don't think I'm quite in that camp. Like, I need my movie to be like be moving fast and like cover everything like more efficiently. Like, I can appreciate a movie like Cloud Atlas, but I can totally see why when a movie like Cloud Atlas isn't done well, and maybe that is just the movie Cloud Atlas because everyone seems to hate it. Like it's pretty torturous to watch a movie like that in my opinion like way worse than something like everything everywhere all at once that is like chaotic like oh my gosh it's trying to do too much but like at least it's getting through a lot of ideas and like presenting something to me so i could see why people would yeah you're totally right yeah yeah but i definitely prefer it just the world building in the others versus everything everywhere. I mean, the world building's great as long as it's getting to something for sure. But I guess your your argument is that in everything ever all at once, it isn't like the amount that the world's building isn't contributing enough to Evelyn's struggle. Like it feels just a little thin to me. Like it's more, is it this cool rather than is it this necessary or is this fully like built up in the way that it could be like, we're getting a lot of snippets rather than right. Like when somebody performs at like an award show and they give like a medley or at a concert and they do like the medley of songs (laughs) rather than their full songs. Like, I feel like it's the medley. I don't, I don't actually, I'm sitting here nodding my head. Like, I don't think you're wrong about any of that. I just don't think that's inherently, bad thing for a movie to do like i you you could totally make the argument that everything if we were all once itself the way it does it it does hurt the movie and its message but i guess i just don't i don't feel that way i i feel like the snippets are okay for like what it's going for what it's trying to accomplish and like how it's trying to move on to idea from idea to idea and really just represents representing the chaos of life and how chaotic it can feel yeah yeah no, I think that's that's fair, and there's arguments to be made, especially with what we were talking about earlier about each little thing that you had tried to do in your life can come back in a way that's helpful and necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, these weren't just false starts. These weren't just, like, pointless endeavors. Uh, so the fact that we do see all of these, like, hints of the multiverse without actually getting into anything really serious in like the alpha verse or anything else like it's part of an idea that gives it a little bit of like anchor and logic and purpose rather than just being like a completely empty thing it's just for some reason the movie just feels so drawn out to me that yeah that's that's funny that like it is because it's not steeping in all these subjects like you wanted to it's actually like moving from thing to thing to thing yet it feels like very long and like very dragged out. Yeah, a 139 minute movie like yeah. it's a long time for a story that I feel like the main story is just like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I could definitely see that being a criticism, but for me that was again, as long as it's not ruining the aesthetic and if anything that's contributing to the aesthetic like it definitely doesn't bother me. Yeah. What, um, so you're, you're on board now. Yeah. I mean, I still think like, like part of my, like, I'm not going to use the word reputation again, but like, just like my, (laughs) my relationship with movies, like it's always been a little, it's been a little, um, contentious when it comes to like the movie going public in a way I don't like, like I want to like all the movies people like (laughs) like i would love it like i I would love to just be part of that community but inevitably every year like you know i hate tar i hate the menu like i hate all these dumb movies that everyone seems to like and i like all the dumb movies everyone hates like morbius and like my favorite movie ever is showgirls like i i just constantly feel like i don't think i'm watching movies wrong or anything but like part of me is just like wishes like i could be on the same level a little bit as other people um so like going into this episode, I watched everything everywhere at once oh, this morning and I kind of had like a heavy feeling going into it. Like I 
wasn't super excited about it. A, because like I didn't like the movie and I wasn't excited to watch it again, but B, like, uh, and then like a few hours later, I'm gonna have to get on this podcast and talk about, talk shit about this movie everybody loves. Um, so it was a very strange experience for me to, to like kind of just be slowly pulled into the movie and really feeling it. And yeah, let down a little bit at the end. Like it isn't doing the things I want, but like at that point, like I was in, I had cried like a gallon of tears. So like, I, I, I know I like it. Uh, it. So it was a very strange experience for me all around that I have appreciated. What, uh, what's your favorite scene? Favorite scene. God, I just watched it. So this should be an easy answer. Um, I don't know about a favorite scene, but one thing I will say that I love that the first time, again, the first time I watched it, it kind of annoyed me because I'm a Wa, uh, Y car one fan. Why, why am I saying the name wrong? <laughs> Wan car Y fanboy. Um, is like that whole aesthetic that's used in the flashbacks when Evelyn's a movie star. Um, like it looks like Chunking Express or something, you know? Like I just really loved all of the interactions they had, just like the mood and feel of it. Like it was just so cool. Like I wanted a whole movie that was just that. Yeah, there's something really, the contrast is really like striking and like dynamic and cool. Yeah. Mm. Do you have a favorite scene? I mean, I have to, right? <laughs> I have to say, like, I don't know if I would go as far to say as, like, the action scenes are super well done. Like, I think they're done in more of an entertaining way. Um, But I just, I liked it a lot more this time around. Like, I really enjoyed all the dumb shit they were doing, like, the butt plugs. And, like, the first time, again, the first time around, it kind of annoyed me. Like, oh, they're just trying to be, like, quirky to the point where it's nauseating. But this time, I was kind of like, yeah, it's fun. Like, they're having fun. (laughs) They're they're having fun i like the end i like the the end where they go back to the tax office and you get to see like when evelyn like wraps her arms around uh wayman's shoulders and kisses him and you see her like how she acts that moment and how happy he is that he's finally getting this like affection and that is making me like tear up now just thinking about like (laughs) the joy each of them have to be feeling in that moment so i guess like that scene and joy being in the tax office at the end like (laughs) i find a lot of catharsis in that moment so i guess like the very ends my favorite part yeah um it's a great moment yeah i will also give shouts out to jenny slate who they make good use of like small players in this movie like jenny slate the woman who had the uh the dog mm. and they make a couple jewish jokes about which felt weird but whatever um apparently she was cool with it and then uh <laughs> harry shum jr who like i think is awesome i've always really liked him he's in the step up movies which is how i really know him um but he's also in like crazy rich asians and uh oh god what else is he in just every time he's in something, he's just awesome. He's like a, a ball of energy. He, he was the uh, the chef, the raccoon guy in this movie. Yeah, raccoon, raccoon, oh God, raccoonie. That, again, that was some. That was a joke in the first movie, and I just like rolled my eyes. But this time, like, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I. That was one of my like favorite parts of it. Was the raccoonie. <laughs> It is absurd, but it is one of those things again where it's just like, oh, I look at the alternate dimensions in <laughs> Cloud Atlas and how much time they're given and how much build up and like this is so thin. Yeah. But right, we're supposed right. to care. Do we care? I guess we care. That's so funny. It's just so funny to me that you could watch a movie that day that way. Like my mind is not in that space at all. <laughs> it's all I ever think about. <laughs> But yeah, Jenny Slate, it was nice to see her. I remember like seeing Obvious Child and being like, oh, she's going to be in everything. And she's yeah. been in like a, a lot since then, but not a lot of the the bigger roles than I expected. So I'm always happy when I see her in something. Do you ever watch a Curl show? No. Oh, man. she She's in a bunch of episodes. She 
you got to watch Carl's show, man. It makes sense that she would be in a bunch of episodes. <laughs> I feel like they probably just like crack each other up. Oh my God. Uh, okay. And gosh, is there anything else in this movie you want to talk about? Um, just give a shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis and James Hong and oh, Stephanie Shu. Yeah. I mean, everybody's great in this movie. Like, God, I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon. Like, I don't want to sound like just some asshole who's like negative about everything in movies that you don't ever want to hear from. But I, Jamie Lee Curtis was going down this path in my mind of like kind of annoying. <laughs> like the kinds of movies she was doing and like her presence and like what she would comment on. Like I was starting to like, I was sick of hearing about her, but man, she's great in this movie. And I feel like I've just done a 180 on her. I have to reevaluate everything I thought about her. <laughs> man, I didn't, it's surprising to me that you would have such like strong, perfo- <laughs> uh, like strong feelings on Jamie Lee Curtis yeah movie choices it's it's ridiculous like i i think again like i've changed a lot in the past year like i used to have a lot of i think i just had a lot of negativity in my life and it it seeped into like the thing i love which is movies and i don't like that and i'm trying to change that well good good (laughs) it's uh i just keep looking i was looking at her filmography to see if there's anything that she did recently where i'm like i did it like that and i just see halloween kills and halloween ends halloween movies had a had a lot to do with the way i felt (laughs) yeah which is just that's not on her no it's not at all like she's she's acting her ass off of that like it's her series she should be in those movies yeah it's just like the writing fucking failed them so hard yeah it's rough stuff Oh, God, she's going to be in the Borderlands movie? I mean, she is active as fuck. It's crazy. Oh, this Borderlands movie is going to be a little crazy. It Borderlands, is, it, was that a video game? It was a video game okay. that's kind of like Mad Maxi. Yeah, that's right. But it's directed by Eli Roth. Oh, and then I'm in. The this, <laughs> this screenplay is by Craig Mazin, who did Chernobyl and Last of Us. Wow, I can't see Eli Roth and Chernobyl (laughs) crossing over. I know. This is going to be... I'm in. I'm very curious to see how this will go with Kate Blanchett as the lead. Hmm. All right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, so everything everywhere. Well, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you had a, a a positive response to it all. Yeah. I, I feel like this movie kind of forced me to do some like looks at myself internally not not really just because of like the subject matter like i did connect with all that i would have connected with all that no matter what but like again just my relationship with movies and like i don't like not liking a movie people like so like now i'm happy to like it like this is this is a good feeling are you gonna update your article why i don't like everything everywhere all at once oh no i want that to exist like i I want that to exist in a vacuum I, i i will write a new article okay okay <laughs> write a new article how i came to love everything everywhere yeah the the sister the sequel yeah maybe that should just be something we do with every movie like we take the opposite view of everybody else with every movie that comes out and then like come around and yeah. have like a tearful like okay i i agree with you all now <laughs> i'm sorry i was an asshole <laughs> like, i i get it it sucked or it's awesome <laughs> All right, Morbius sucked. I get it. <laughs> How could I have ever felt differently? <laughs> okay. Um, so that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's I think that's all for this one. Okay. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to be talking about all the movies we've watched uh, in the past two weeks leading up to the episode. I got to say, Chris, I've been... I have not been watching very many movies. You might beat me this time. Uh, I don't think so i think i've only watched like one i may have only watched this maybe we can't do an episode no we'll definitely i'll definitely see a couple oh no i saw oh i saw one okay yeah what a tease you saw one yeah but it's one that we'll talk about we'll talk about ant-man uh ant-man hmm uh well if you want to read what if you want to read ahead of time what chris thought about ant-man you can go to filmclasses.com right chris 
Yeah, there's an article there called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium Bad Writing. Go ahead and check that out. <laughs> All right, so that's a tease. Like, Chris may or may not like it. You'll have to tune in next week to see. Um and so yeah, you can go to Film Colossus where we have all of our movie guides. We're explaining the shit out of movies, guys. Like you gotta see it to believe it. It's crazy. We're doing it better than anybody else. Yeah. The movie guides are awesome. And then uh you know, by the time we're doing the next episode, no, it's gonna be a little bit but gonna have some uh South by Southwest conversations Ooh. for anybody. Uh, that's nice. interested in South by Southwest coming up in uh, about a month. I get to be a mentor at South by. So that's exciting. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, and if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash film Colossus three bucks a month, uh, you'll have no ads in the show. That's all we're offering right now, but more is coming. We promise more to come, more to come, more to come. And okay. That's it. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> Congratulations to us. We've accomplished so much in the past hour and three minutes. People thought it could it be done. Can't wait to do it again next year. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Got a big question to ask.